Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with actor, minister, jazz singer, and songwriter, the great Clifton Davis. We spoke to him during November 2020 amidst the COVID-19 lockdown about his latest 2020 CD, Never Can Say Goodbye with B.G. Adair. He has had quite a career in the entertainment industry and was made famous by the Jackson 5, and he's been recorded by dozens of other artists. Clifton has appeared on Broadway, starred in television shows, and appeared in so many movies. He is a very accomplished and driven artist that keeps adding a needed light in the jazz world. Get to know him and dig this interview. Hey, man, it's great to hear from you. Thanks for taking a minute out for the show today. I appreciate it. Listen, I'm thrilled to be on with you. Let's talk. I, I got to say up front, I am so happy that musicians are still putting out music. It, it makes me feel like, ah. you know, the world's still turning. There's new jazz out there. It just makes me happy. So thank you for putting music out in the world. Listen, I'm thrilled to be a part of that uh, anthology. And, you know, having started this album and... Uh, recognizing that the work was almost completed before coronavirus hit us. It was only sensible to to move forward and complete it. Certainly, it's not the best environment into which to release a new project, but, you know, it's art, and art deserves to be seen, heard, and appreciated, whether it's a, a market blockbuster or not it's the art that needs to be expressed and if there was ever a time where art is is needed and craved and what has saved us since mid-march it's been music and film and visual arts for sure i agree i agree talk to me about the new album kind of a little bit more hyper specifically you know it is coming out during a pandemic any ambivalence with that or is this is it this is just fine this is the time it should come out I think its timing is, is just fine, actually. It depends on what you expect, what you hope for, what outcomes uh, you anticipate. Uh, when we worked on this project, it was for the beauty and the art of working together with B.G. Adair. You know, none of us are getting any younger, so... Capturing this moment in time with an artistic selection of songs is is a good thing to do. It's it's a positive project. Um, this project turned out to be a couple of years in the making. As we listened to it, uh, it expanded and it started to take a life of its own. I am so thrilled working with B.G. Adair and... Uh, hearing her play and using her gifts and her suggestions and, and indeed one of her compositions. It was just a wonderful experience for me, whether we sell one uh, download or none. Um, it was just a great experience artistically. You know, I've been in the business a long time and uh, having been in various areas of the business, I like to do what I do for the achievement in art. And if I'm pleased, and if those with whom I'm working are pleased and satisfied with what they they contributed to the project, then that's that's all I ask. It would be lovely to sell a bunch of them, <laughs> but, but that... 
that wasn't a requirement. That wasn't the expectation. What we wanted was appreciation. And thank God we've gotten wonderful reviews. People have been raving about this project, and uh, and that, you know, swells my heart. I think what you're doing with BG and just the, the, the quality of this album and the longevity that you both have had, I think this is another testament to how strong jazz really is. I would agree with you, Joe. Um, jazz has survived a lot of things, not COVID virus notwithstanding. But jazz has, has evolved from, you know, various phases and stages from bebop and, and, and way, way back from fusion to contemporary to, you know, all kinds of brands of jazz. And now, fortunately, there are jazz outlets that separate uh, various kinds of jazz, smooth jazz, real jazz, historic jazz. And so, so I think it has a great life. And quite honestly, music of any composition and creativity as jazz is, in my view, is a gift from God, inspired by some divine purpose or being. Wonderful. Let's go back to the beginnings of your life. How did you get the jazz bug? What was musician, album, family, how did all that work for you? I uh, was a typical kid growing up in the 50s and the early 60s. And, and of course, rock and roll came along, and uh, I was a rock and roll kid. But then in 1966, 65, I became profoundly aware of other artists and and the jazz genre. I think perhaps the first jazz singer I enjoyed was Nancy Wilson. And then I learned about Johnny Hartman. And quite honestly, he influenced me quite a bit. Naturally, enjoying popular music as I did coming up, um, I was aware of you know Perry Como and Frank Sinatra. And those influences uh, touched me too. But I didn't really become interested in jazz until I heard Wes Montgomery and, uh, with his octaves played on guitar. And, and, and then I heard about uh, Billy Taylor and Coltrane and, good Lord, Thelonious Monk. Oh, my Lord. I went to, I went to hear him, and my mind was blown. I started listening to the Horace Silver Quintet and, Going to the Village Gate and the Village Vanguard and and I and I just it just blew my mind how how rich the tapestry of jazz really was and how many gifted musicians there were in that genre. So I guess I was about twenty twenty one years old when I became interested in jazz. Now I continued to uh, as a composer to write pop and R&B music, but, and it, of course, had an influence on me. I, in fact, joined Motown as a writer, became acquainted with the artists of Motown, uh, Stevie Wonder and, and, and Smokey Robinson, Gladys Knight and the Pips, and, and later on, uh, Lionel Richie, and, 
and uh, the Commodores. But the real influence in my life was the smooth jazz artists. I'm proud to be friends with a number of saxophone players and and artists around the nation, and um, uh, and I'm grateful that I got Kevin Tony to help me with the album, and Tate Six, of course. So, yes, that's that's when I started. I started enjoying jazz around 1965. How far removed do you think the worlds of, say, Motown and jazz are? They seem to me as highly creative realms, wonderfully grounded musicians, highly influential um, in, in what they do. How far removed are both of those worlds since, since you've had a good view on both of them? How far removed are those worlds? That's an interesting question. I think they're no more than two degrees apart. The Motown sound, the Motown formula, it was based on those principles that were established in jazz earlier and in popular music earlier. And it brought it to some fundamentals. The R&B feeling that they had was uh, was just touching a kind of honesty. And those same musicians who played in the bands of uh, of Motown on the other side played in jazz bands and uh, expressed that creativity in in a slightly different way. Um, I don't think they were far apart, uh, particularly rhythmically, perhaps in terms of their formula and the uh, structural outlay, uh, layout, but no, I don't think they're that far apart. What has been the key to your longevity? You've dedicated your life to art. I mean, you, you, you tap into all kinds of different realms of art. What has been the key to this? You're, you've been around quite a, quite a while. You're releasing an album now. I think there's something to be said about the strength and dexterity of an artist that continues throughout all of these decades to put out material at a high caliber like you do. Well, I thank you so much for those kind words. I guess I would attribute my longevity to something Sammy Davis Jr. once told me uh, sitting in his living room. Uh, He said, Clifton, the thing I really uh, admire about you is how much you're like me. (laughs) He said, you're a triple threat. He said, you can sing, you can act, you can dance. I said, well, maybe not dance, Sam. (laughs) I can write music. He said, well, that's it. You sing, you can act, you write music. And he said to me, and that's good, Cliff, he said, because if one door closes, another one can open. If one direction is, is shut off from you, you can go another direction. So you continually move forward. And I took that to heart because he was such a wise man and I was so proud that he welcomed me into his inner circle, as it were, of friends who, you know, could stop over the house. And and I thought, you know, that's the thing. Always find a way to keep reinventing yourself, to do something differently and, uh, and, and succeed at it. Give it all you got. Try, try, spread out. And, um, and it's that drive that's in me that I attribute to my longevity. I'm 
continually driven to create and to find a way to use the gifts God gave me to uh, improve the art world and the world in itself. You know, one of my favorite towns of all time, you know, we're here in Kansas City, is Chicago, and it's just a magical place. How much has Chicago contributed to who you are, not only as a person, but as an artist? I have to be honest. I was born in Chicago, but it didn't really contribute to me culturally, except for maybe Lou Rawls <laughs> and his music. Uh, um, I'm proud to have been a golfing buddy of Lou Rawls, too. Uh, that's a nice thing about getting old. You know, you can look back and you can see relationships and acquaintances, as it were. <clears throat> I don't think Chicago played that big a role, but Chicago, I learned, was a big jazz town. And, uh, of course, I listened to a lot of recordings uh, from folks who came from the area and uh, uh, created great music in that area. You know, as you you know, made your way through, you know, music and entertainment, you, you ran into a lot of mentors. You've mentioned several between, you know, Lou and Sammy Davis. What did those legends and luminaries teach you that you in turn taught those around you that were younger, that needed guidance, that needed that sage advice? Over and over, I've, uh, I've had young people come and ask me about getting started in the business. And, of course, I draw from my experience, my personal experiences, to share with them that I don't have the uh, be-all and end-all answer for how to succeed. I can only tell them how I succeeded and draw from those experiences. I also draw from those experiences that were explained to me by by others. When I began, I sat in at a place called Hickory House or something in New York. And uh there was a I, I was so green. I <laughs> I had no idea who I was sitting in with. I was I was just there and said, "Can I sing along cuz I know the words to this song?" And they didn't have to say yes, but they said, sure, kid. <laughs> and so, so I did. And there I was with Billy Taylor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ben Tucker and Grady Tate. I want you to know I'm there trying to do the shadow of your smile and a foggy day. And it wasn't until... Well, after that, I asked I asked if I could get them to come and do a demo with me. And Billy said, well, he couldn't do it, but he had a friend who might be able to cut this demo with me. And he said his name is Roland Hanna. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how blessed I was without even knowing it. Um, after I found out, after it was done and over, and I learned about Coming Home Baby by Ben Tucker. <laughs> After I learned that Dr. Billy Taylor was just about one of the greatest uh, jazz pianists and conductors and arrangers in history, I realized how 
divinely led this must have been to touch base with these guys, to touch lives with these guys. And so whenever I see young people, I let them know that if this is your passion, and it must be your passion, don't do it if it's not your passion. Seek to pursue it and and give it all you got, and, and you'll run into, there was an old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. I think that's true in many ways. And uh, I was blessed to have teachers come that taught me. And I share with students uh, from an acting perspective. I share what I learned on stage or on a television or movie set. Um, I've done master classes for various universities just as a guest. And uh, I always draw on those experiences from people like Sammy Davis Jr., like Lena Horne that I worked with for a year, um, and so on. In one capacity or another as an artist, you've been performing all these years. What is it every day that makes you love waking up knowing that you're a performer? What's the best part of it? At this point in life, it's reflecting on the work that I've been able to achieve, the, the mountains I've climbed, because there, there aren't as many looking forward as there are looking back. But there are mountains that I'm still climbing. I wake up every morning thankful, first of all, that I have life in my limbs, breath in my lungs, a thought in my brain, and that I still have the ability to play at the piano and to create. I wake up every day trying to find another melody something else to write, something else to be a part of. I wake up looking for another role to play and another song to sing. And so I wake up with joy and peace and a certain satisfaction, gratification in my spirit. And most of all, I wake up thanking God for the opportunities he's provided for me to live this life as fully as I have and to forgive me for my failures and to bless me with successes. When COVID-19 lifts and we all get back to live music, what do you hope both the performer and the audience realizes about this time away from live performance? I hope that they have a new respect and appreciation for live performances and what it is to be a real a participant in a real live audience and how blessed we are to listen and appreciate uh, these gifted artists coming forward for us on stage. I hope that they appreciate more and more live performances and attend them with greater, uh, uh, greater regularity so that the performance can su succeed as well, because we all have to make a living. This has been hard, hard times for the entertainment industry. Broadway, my Lord, I have friends on Broadway who just had to let go of their leases in New York and, and move back home or find some place to be. And 
I'm sure some of them have become homeless. It's been a difficult time for live theater and certainly for live music. So I'm praying that the vaccine works, that people get vaccinated, that the world goes back to normal, and that we can appreciate the wonder of the arts live and in person. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, and your fans, that you're living your life. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Oh, I know I'm Clifton Davis, and and that Clifton Davis is an imperfect man who serves a perfect God. I know that I am grateful, and I live a grateful, and I try to live a humble life. I, I know that I'm an artist, and that I've been blessed to enjoy success as an artist. So I'm quite secure just being me. Beautiful. Clifton, thank you for the music. Thank you for being wonderful. Thank you for your time with Neon Jazz today. Stay safe in this world, and good luck with the new album. Thank you so much, Joe. Take care. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers and songwriters in Los Angeles, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Clifton for his class, time, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.